Thank you, John. Now, uh, you're going to need a pencil, I expect, for this, or a pen. If you need one, do you want to put your hand up, and somebody hopefully at the back will give you one. There's a couple there. Uh, thank you, Malcolm. If you could just, uh, a few hands up there. And uh, while you've got your hands up, uh, you can um, just be thinking about uh, what we've been doing so far on the service and where we're going in a moment. So just a few more pencils. Brilliant. A few more over this side. Brilliant. Thank you, Matt. One at the back, I think. Let's uh, pray together. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word now, would you please give us hearts that uh, long to, to know you better through your word and that we would, uh, our hearts also would be touched and moved by it. Uh, please, would you be at work by your Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I can't remember her name. I met her on a disabled Christian fellowship holiday, as I, which I helped out on as a student in those long summer holidays that students get. She was an elderly lady who suffered from osteoporosis, uh, otherwise known as brittle bone disease. And she'd broken bone after bone in her body and was in constant pain. One of my tasks as a helper was to turn her through the night so that she might get half an hour's sleep uh, at a time. And while her body faded... Her spirit shone with a holiness and a goodness and a joy that has burned itself into my memory. There was something about her, something Christ-like, that made it a pleasure to be in her company, that drew you to her, or more accurately, to Christ in her. She would speak about how most of her days were spent at home on her own, alone, and how she used this time to pray for the needs of others. And she asked how she could pray for me, me with my youth and my health. I felt almost too embarrassed to ask for anything. I can't remember her name. But when I think of the people I've met who are most like Christ, in whom I've sensed the presence of Jesus, I think of her. And perhaps you've got people like that that come to mind. Christ in you, the hope of glory, says Paul. That's the great mystery of the Christian faith. And that's our focus this morning, becoming like Christ, being one of his disciples, tasting something of his glory, and looking forward to being with him one day in all his death-defying glory. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been asking ourselves, uh, what on earth are we here for? What is this and every church's purpose? And that's been helping alongside the District Church Council as we're thinking about the direction of our church over the months and years ahead. What is our purpose? Great, Jesus' Great Commission, which is printed there on your sheets, has been our guide, as well as the book by Rick Warren of the same title, What on Earth Am I Here For? And at first we see how the Christians worshipped Jesus and how we are formed for God's pleasure, that he alone is worthy of our worship, and we worship him, everything else fits into place 
in our lives. Then we saw how Jesus sent his disciples out on a mission uh, to go and make more disciples and how we are made for this, this mission. And then last week we saw how uh, those disciples were to be baptized into a visible body of believers and how they were formed for God's family. That being a part of church isn't just an optional extra for Christians, it's part of our DNA, it's who we are. And now we come to that part of the Great Commission where Jesus says that these new disciples are to be taught everything that he has commanded them uh, and taught the disciples, uh, the apostles. So they're to hand on what he has taught them. They're to be disciples who make disciples. If you like that, like Coca-Cola or Kentucky Fried Chicken, Jesus wants the original recipe that he gave his apostles to be handed on undiluted from one generation to the next. And Paul picks up this theme in his letter to the Colossian church. So that's going to be our passage that we're going to focus on. Paul, For Paul, becoming a fully-fledged disciple is really very straightforward. It involves a simple two-stage process. It begins, stage one, by receiving Jesus as Lord, as your Lord. If you have a look at me at uh, verse 6 of chapter 2 of Colossians, we read, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. So the first step in becoming a disciple is acknowledging that Jesus is not just the Lord, but he's our Lord, my Lord. That we don't want to live in rebellion against him, but in synergy with him and his purposes for this world, because he is a good, perfect, holy, and gracious God. Paul um, gives the Colossians and us plenty of good reasons why Jesus is indeed Lord of all living beings. If we look back to chapter 1, and I'm going to put these up on the screen for us, we find that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Chapter 1, verse 15, that in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things, we read, are created for him, through him and for him, and that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. These are great statements of who Jesus is. He is the one who created us. He is the one who sustains us each day. This glorious day is a gift from him. He holds all the forces of the universe like gravity together in order that life can continue. We owe him our very lives. And he's created us with this particular purpose in mind, that we might know him and model our lives on him. Receiving Jesus as Lord involves more than simply acknowledging the power that he holds over us. It involves welcoming him into our lives. And the great mystery of the Christian faith, writes Paul, is that when Jesus is invited into our lives, he comes in and takes up residence in our hearts by his Spirit. And so Paul can write at the end of um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, he says, God has chosen to make known to you Gentiles, that's the Colossians and us here in Chesham, 
the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. For what could be more glorious than this relationship with God the Father through his Son by his Spirit at work in us? Receive then Jesus as your Lord. That's the first step in becoming a disciple. And this is all very basic, very straightforward, and yet very fundamental. And it invades and affects everything that we do. I wonder if you've seen one of those um, TV programs, The Undercover Boss. Uh, The format is always the same. The boss at the main office goes to a local branch of the business where they're not known and works on the shop floor for a couple of weeks or so. He or she gets to know how the company could run a bit better. They learn something. But they also see who are the hard workers. And they see who needs some more training and who needs disciplining and maybe moving on because they're just not helping. And then there is the big reveal. The boss comes into work the next day in their suit and reveals their true identity. They bring with them rewards and punishments. And there is a general shock and surprise all around from the workforce. Some go away joyful, others with a realization that their bad behavior has come back to bite them. And in a way, what Paul is saying here is that we've had the big reveal in history. We know now who Jesus is. Through his life, death, and resurrection, his true identity has been revealed. What was hidden for a time, and we see that a bit in the Gospels, now has been made clear through his resurrection and ascension to glory. So when we receive Jesus into our lives, it's not just as a friend or as a guide or a coach, personal coach, if you like, or even just as a savior, it is as Lord, as master, the one who we obey. It is to tell Jesus, my life now is in your hands. It always was, but whereas in the past I resisted and rebelled, now I willingly bow the knee in the knowledge that my life is safe in the hands of a loving Lord. Because to receive Jesus as Lord is to commit to taking on board all his values and all his characteristics to become more and more like him. And we can do none of these things in our own strength. And that's why we need this great mystery of, the, of, of which Paul speaks here, of Christ in you, the hope of glory. We need his spirit, his strength to become like him, pure and good and kind and wise and full of joy. So today is a good day to ask, have I received Jesus as my Lord? Not just in some areas of life, but in every areas of my life. Have I given the keys, if you like, to the house of my life? He is Lord of all. We've had the big reveal. We live in the light of his resurrection. So there's very little point pretending that he's not the boss. And we need to be rooted, says Paul, in this lordship of Christ. It's this single truth which will stop us being blown off course or blown over like a poorly rooted tree in a storm. Receiving Jesus as Lord means bringing every area of our lives under his rule. That's what it means to be a disciple. 
our love lives and our thought lives, our money worries and our family tragedies, our work pressures, our personal challenges, our free time, all these things are to come under his lordship. It's receiving him as Lord of our Mondays and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays and our Thursdays, whatever you do on a Thursday, and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays too, especially perhaps our Sundays, the day of resurrection, the day when we call to stop what else we could do and gather to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's Paul's first step in becoming more like Christ, in becoming a disciple. Receive Jesus as your Lord. And the second step is this. Continue with Jesus as your Lord. That's how Paul continues, verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. I told you Paul's approach was simple and straightforward to being a disciple. As you've started, continue. The word, in fact, to continue here means literally to walk, to walk in him. So when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, it's about a daily walk with him. And Jesus is all you need for the journey of life. Walk with him through each day. Read his word. Be open to the promptings of his spirit. Do that each day, and slowly but surely, you will become more like Jesus. More like the person you were created to be, because we are created in God's image. And others will, over time, see more of his goodness and his kindness and his pureness, and his joy in you. Slowly but surely, through Jesus, we will come closer, won't we, to our Father in heaven. But for some who'd arrived at this church in uh, Colossae, this all sounded too simple. Jesus, they argued, well, that's a good place to start, but to be really spiritual, to get really close to God, to reach your full potential as a human being, well, you need something more. That Jesus' teachings weren't enough. You need, it seems, if you read the whole letter, and it'd be good to come back and look at Colossians as a whole at some point, you either need the rituals and rules that the Jews had, or you needed to access the mysteries of the universe through the many pagan philosophies that were on offer, the self-help guides. You see, these Christians lived like us in, as a minority in a multicultural society with lots of different ideas being thrown around. And Paul says in verse 4 of chapter 2, don't be deceived by these fine-sounding arguments. His goal, he says, if you go and look at verse 2, is that the Colossians, and in fact Christians everywhere, might have the full riches of complete understanding. So he wants them to fully know everything, to know that this mystery of God. And what is this mystery of God? Well, it's, is it something that human beings can discover on their own? Does the treasure lie within through that personal inward journey that we're encouraged to take as we look within? No, he says. It is namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. It's as you get to know him that you'll get to know yourself and you'll discover the mysteries of the universe. 
Jesus' teaching is all the wisdom we need when it comes to the understanding we need for our lives, how to live them. So Paul tells them in our last verse uh, that's printed there in verse 8, make sure that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which will depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So it remains a really good warning. There are lots of new ideas around at the moment, especially to do with matters of identity and uh, personal development and uh, gender and sexuality, ideas which often either reject or ignore Jesus as the one who made us or the one for whom we are made. Ideas which assume that we can become our own lords, if you like, our own self-creations, not that we already have a creator in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we try and navigate these culturally very challenging times, the clue to what is true and to what is false lies in whether or not the idea is based, says Paul, on Christ, whether it flows out of what Jesus taught his disciples to teach us. That's our guide when it comes to knowing what ideas to accept and what ideas to reject. And it's why we need to read our Bibles. And it's why Christian books are so helpful. Uh, I've just uh, ordered a new uh, couple of some, I've got some books to show you. Um, and uh, I've ordered a couple of, one book that's just come up on the screen. It's called The Air We Breathe. I hope it'll come. There we are. Literally just uh, been printed uh, by Glenn Scrivener. A particularly helpful book about um, uh, how we understand this focus on a, a diversity and uh, equality and inclusion and how some of those roots come back to our Christian uh, upbringing, but that we've taken them on in different directions. So this is a Christian helping to, us to think through uh, what the air we breathe, the culture that we're in at the moment. Another book that uh, might be helpful uh, for parents uh, to read and then give to your teenagers, 10 questions every teen should ask and answer about Christianity. That's a really helpful book to help us think in a Christian way. And a book I'm rereading, um, I first read as a student, called Developing a Christian Mind. Uh, it's what all these books help us to do is to think like uh, Christians with a Christian mind on the subjects of the day. Wonderfully, despite the pressure they're under, Paul is able to report in verse 5 of chapter 2 his delight that the Colossian church is in good order. They are standing shoulder to shoulder and their faith in Christ is holding firm. So start then, as you mean to continue, with Jesus as Lord over our thinking and over our living. This is how uh, the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it as he watched his culture change, as he watched uh, Germany in the 1930s be taken over by uh, Nazi power. He puts being a disciple of Jesus this way in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. When the Bible speaks of following Jesus, it is proclaiming a discipleship which will liberate mankind from all man-made dogmas, from every burden and oppression, from every anxiety and torture which afflicts the conscience. If they follow Jesus, men escape from the hard yoke of their own laws and submit to the kindly yoke of Jesus Christ. 
And perhaps we're seeing as a culture something of the hardness of this new cancel culture that is developing around us. Gone, it seems, is the grace and forgiveness of a culture once influenced by Christian faith. So what does continuing to live with Jesus as your Lord look like in practice? What should our daily walk with him include? Well, according to chapter 2, verse 7, it involves both our head and our heart. As far as our heads are concerned, we're to keep building on the foundations that have been laid. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and then built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. So teaching is really important for us to continue as disciples of Christ. Strong biblical teaching is Paul's prescription for a faithful church and for strong disciples of Christ. And it's why he writes to the church. He says, in order to present them with the word of God in all its fullness. So a fundamental part of our daily walk with Jesus is time spent in the Bible, time spent in God's word. So I wonder how often do you read God's word? Are you a sort of a once a week, just in church sort of person? Are you a daily reader of God's word? Uh, Because I found it wasn't until I got into God's word every day that my sort of walk with Christ really took off. So can I encourage you to, to, to get into God's word each day? Uh, sometimes we need some help with that. And at the back of church, if you've not got a pattern of doing that, uh, are these little introduction to daily Bible reading called Newness of Life. They're free. You can just take those away. So um, do, do try that and get into God's Word each day. It's not just our heads, though. It's also our hearts. And uh, that verse, verse 7, ends by saying, that we should also learn to overflow with thankfulness in our lives. That part of our walk with Jesus is to develop this thankful heart. And it's not just because it's good manners, but actually it's vital to our spiritual health. It stops us wandering away from Jesus and being drawn to other things. So what can we be thankful for this morning? Well, the gift of life, the gift of this glorious day, the gift of our particular bodies with all their aches and pains. Uh, Perhaps, you know, we're not quite as sharp as we once were. Whatever it is, uh, the gift of God's spirit, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, the gift of answered prayer, the gift of life eternal. Developing a thankful heart is key to our walk with Jesus. So continue as you've started with Jesus as Lord. Today and tomorrow and the day after that, just keep on going. It's very simple. It's not rocket science. As you've started, so begin. Well, to conclude, I can't quite believe that my youngest daughter is about to be, do driving lessons this autumn. I'm not quite sure the world is ready. I'm not quite sure I'm ready either. Sorry to embarrass you. But when the time comes, you know, to taking that driving test, if you've done that, uh, you've done your lessons and you feel confident that you can pass, you go ahead and you take the test. But if you do pass, you don't then sort of throw everything away and think, now I'm going to learn how to drive my car by watching the Fast and Furious films <laughs> and uh, seeing how fast I can go and seeing what I can, you know, forget all of that. Now, what you do 
is put into practice what you've learned. As you've started, so then you go on in your driving life. And it's the same with being a Christian. We come to Christ, we continue with Christ, and the more we do that, the more we become like Christ. As the Psalms say, you become what you worship. And if you worship the Lord Jesus Christ, you will become more glorious and pure and holy and good and kind and faithful and joyful and gentle. And you know, future generations may not remember your name, but if they've seen something in Christ in you, they'll remember that and it'll help them on their journey. Let's bow our heads to pray. And if you just look at the back of your sheets, there's a few things I'll just to look at uh, as, uh, as I finish. See, there's a box there. Say, am I actively living with Jesus as Lord over every area of my life? And there are some little chart there of different areas there. Have a think about that for a moment. And then what specific one thing can I do to help develop my walk with Jesus? It may be that you've never really ever received Jesus as your Lord. So take that first step. And this is a walk we do together. So who can I help in their daily walk with Jesus? Let's just take two or three minutes just to reflect on those questions, and then I'll pray. Lord Jesus, would you help each of us this morning to receive you afresh as our Lord? Not just in some parts of our life, but every area of our lives. We do that knowing that uh, you are a good and gracious Lord. And when we entrust you into, uh, ourselves into your hands, we know that they are good hands in which to be entrusted. So help us, Lord, to enter into this week with that desire to walk with you and to grow more like you. In your name we pray. Amen.